Greg Big Daddy Schmidt. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Excellent. Excellent. This is Jim English, and welcome to my podcast called The Who Gives a Shit Files. And we are so fortunate to have a Lady Huskies aficionado, probably the biggest ladies Husky fan, that by the way, that's University of Connecticut women's basketball team in the state of California, maybe west of the Mississippi. So welcome, Greg, and I'm sorry this isn't under better circumstances. Well, thanks for having me back again, but uh, I guess to quote uh, Gino, Oriem of the coach, with great expectations come big disappointments. So yeah, the, uh, the team has a very high standard for the past 35 years, and you know, it, it, it put it in perspective, we're going to talk today about UConn's season, and we're talking about a 31-6 and six season like it's a disappointment. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of coaches that would get a 10-year contract if they won 30 games. So, you know, keep it into perspective, UConn has set high standards, and they had, have had an unprecedented run of injuries this past season, which really limited their ability to uh, go as far as they normally go. But um, still, you know, if you trace back through the last couple of years, they've, uh, they've done pretty good based on the circumstances. So Greg, tell us why you like UConn basketball. Tell us you're, you're a purist and you love basketball. You played it in high school. You played it in college. So tell us why you like UConn and ladies basketball. Well, don't forget, I played for the War Devils, too. So that, that yeah. is another crowning I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. First of all, for the audience, uh, Greg played for the War Devils a number of years. I did a podcast on the War Devils. And he is a was a terrific shooter. Um, he also, you know, played for some really good coaches. And last year, we had him on four or five times. This year... It's been my fault. I've been derelict about asking him on. Shame on me. But that won't happen in the future. But tell me why, being a student of the game and you play it, why you like the women's game, particularly you so much? Well, I, I have always been attracted to teams that play the game fundamentally sound. I, I grew up and cut my teeth and fell in love with basketball watching uh, John Wooden's teams in the 60s and 70s, which you can't set a higher bar for near perfection than um, the game he, he coached. And he coached it strictly by the fundamentals, and that's why they won all the time. They, they wore you down fundamentally. Then back in uh, 1995, I started seeing occasionally, there wasn't a whole lot of women's games on TV, but I, I saw this UConn team go undefeated and win the national championship. That, that It was just a... But prior to Gino Oriema getting there, it was it was a really pretty much a just a dirtbag program. They were there's the doormat of the league. But he coaches like Coach Wooden, where he instills fundamentals and they they play and practice. You don't do it till you get it right, you do it till you can't get it wrong. And so I, it's a beautiful game to watch when they play because they they hustle on every play. They they play such fundamental games of screening the ball, unselfish players. You don't have anybody, you know, 
too many gunners that have ever been at, at UConn. And he, Tarasi played there, and she's a Diana Tarasi. She's a gunner in the pros now, but she played it within the system there. And the system is it's not for everybody. If you can play that system, you'll beat your opponent by just out fundamentaling them and out conditioning them and out running them and out defensing them. And it's just beautiful for me to watch. And that's why I started to take an interest in them. And then as the years went on, it, it got bigger and bigger and they got, they have had ridiculous success. And it's not because of any fluke. It's because of Gino Orim and the way he coaches with his, his assistants and the consistency they have and the type of players they get, which, uh, you know, the women's game's evolving now, but they still remain a force no matter uh, how you look at it. Yeah, and you know, when you, when, you know, in basketball, and because of you to a large part, I have taken an interest in, in women's basketball. And I also coach my daughter. And you're right, it's fundamentals. They're so, they deal on, you know, shooting, picking, screening. It's not ridiculous athletes to jump out of the gym i mean it is solid fundamental basketball yeah the the women's game is you know obviously women are these women are great athletes you know jim and i have discussed this before if we played you know we think we we're good basketball players if we played a yukon type team women's team against our guys at our peak they would have killed us yes. absolutely killed us because we couldn't keep up with them fundamentally. It, it, they, they would just out-screen us, out-run us, out-box us out, and do everything else. That's you know, why we could, the women's we could, Yeah, but we could go to the bar stronger than they could. Oh, I, I bet you we could out-drink them any time. That, that's not even <laughs> a consideration. But, but <laughs> that's, that's probably not what they're most concerned about. <laughs> no, that's so not high on their agenda. We could probably out-smoke them, too. Oh, we could probably out a lot of things then, but they're uh, – obviously better off for what they do because they're getting a real life lesson you know and just basketball not only basketball but as you i've studied the program he the coaches you have chris daly his associate head coach who's in the basketball hall of fame as an assistant coach she teaches these these girls how to be decent people how to how to communicate properly how to dress properly and it's it's very for me i'm a conservative type of person but it's very very attractive to me to see people behave correctly and in it's not any of the the you know loose hip-hop type of a culture there it's it's a culture of you're here to play basketball get better and win and yeah and then you know, they, you, know uh, you you talk to any WNBA coach and they always say unilaterally we don't worry about UConn players when we get them they're already ready for the pros because that's how they're coach like pros when they're in college and so they're always a step up on everybody else. You know, our friend Pat Mullen, who was a war devil, who played at University of Connecticut, ran into Diane in the uh, in a gym that he was working out at and went up and introduced himself. And she, he said she couldn't have been nicer. And she was very curious about his career and how he played and when he played who is the coach. So it was a really good, you know, to your point, you know, they are ladies, they are basketball players and they're good people too. And the, the atmosphere we've discussed this in one of the previous podcasts, you know, I had the good fortune of before the pandemic three years in a row, my wife and I went back for a couple of games each year just to experience it. And it's, it's unbelievable. And that, and it's not like, you know, 
drunk college students throwing stuff everywhere. It's the whole community comes out there and and like at many colleges, the the atmosphere in that Gamble Pavilion or, or the Excel Center in Hartford, they split their games up there, is electric. And it's it's just total adoration of these players and support for them. And it's very cool. Greg, what's Gino's background? Where did he come from? Because he was not a famous coach, right? When he when he showed up at UConn? Yeah, he's a uh, interesting study. He was a uh, you know, uh, immigrant from Italy came over here when he was like seven or eight years old. His, his family grew up in the Philadelphia area, uh, played basketball. He's, you know, wasn't a star or anything like that. And then he, he actually, he says one of the reasons for his success is he coached high school when he got right out of college. And you, at college or at high school, you have to be a teacher when you're teaching kids how to play basketball at that level. Yes. It's not just roll the ball out. Let's see what happens. And he's carried that philosophy on. So then he, he was an assistant coach for a couple of different schools. One of them, the last one being the, uh, for the women's program for the uh, university of Virginia. And then mm-hmm. from there, the UConn job came over, which I said before, UConn was the doormat of whatever league they were in for quite a while. They had this really, I've seen it when we went out to the campus, this really old, old gym that it's, it's just like the, the gym at Horace Ensign junior high school that we <laughs> used to play in leaks you know and and he's he's kind of you know said well this is it but he took the job here a couple years and 38 years later and 11 national championships here he is and now they have gamble pavilion and they have you know it's just his success along with the men's the men's team has won the championship four times i don't follow them that closely they're actually in the final four this year um that's quite a quite a a litany of success for that small school. And if you ever been to UConn, which most people who are listening to this haven't, Pat's been there because he went there. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's 40 miles from Hartford, which isn't exactly the garden spot of America. And the many people praised Gino Oriema because the fact that he could get kids to come out to Storrs, Connecticut to play basketball, he must have one heck of a recruiting pitch and be one heck of a coach. And both of those are true. Talk a little bit, please, before we get into what happened this season, because I think it is, you know, it is good for the audience to know, like, how many championships they won and just how dominant this regime, you know, this dynasty has been under Gino. Yeah, it's it's mind boggling. And and most people, if they haven't followed it all the way, they they don't appreciate it. But all you hear. The best way to measure this, all you hear people talk about is what UConn doesn't do rather than they don't talk about what they do because they're so sick of talking about what they do. They, they prefer to measure what they don't do. So with this program, they've won 11 national championships. They've been in the tournament 35 years in a row. And, and people measure all this stuff. They've been to, they were the streak, streak was just broken. 14 years in a row, they made the final four. That's ridiculous. Jesus. Most most you could take most conferences and they don't go to the final four in 10 years 14 times they've won they've had winning streaks of 70 90 and 111 games whoa they've won national championships four years in a row they've won national championships three years in a row and they've won national championships back to back they it's it you know you, you just can go on and on with with what they've done they didn't lose a, a conference game for seven years and, and it's, it's just it's 
it's impressive, it's ridiculous, and it, people take it for granted and they don't want to talk about it. They want to make sure. I read a headline in the, on the internet the day after they, when they lost this past uh, Saturday. The UConn dynasty is finally officially over and, and basketball is better for it. Well, that's the point because people walk themselves into their own traps there. When they had the 111 game winning streak back in 2000, up through 2016, 2017, they were saying UConn's bad for basketball. All these big pundits, you know, on the ESPNs and talking heads, they're bad for basketball. They never lose. They're Gino Oriemas, and he's, he's a prophet. He said, by us winning, number one, come out and beat us. See how good your program is. And if you do, then you're making progress. So us, by us doing this, we're putting a spotlight on women's basketball. Everybody else has to race their game and we'll only make basketball better by being as good as we are. Everybody's just trashed him for that. Well, what's, what's, who's right? Basketball is much better, because, women's basketball, because everybody's standard has come up. You know, there's only been six teams that have had undefeated seasons in women's basketball. And South Carolina might have one this year, and I'm actually kind of rooting for that now that UConn's out of it. That's a pretty cool thing to do. UConn's done it six times. They've had oh, my God. Seasons. So, you know, that, those kind of statistics turn people off, and then they, they want to start picking away at it. But the bottom line is he's, they've made the game better with, with the success they've had because now you've got all these really good programs that have really raised the level of the people they recruit and, and the way they approach the game. And it's, it's not nearly as big and powerful as the men's game. It's not the same as the men's game, but it's, uh, it's gotten much better. But unfortunately, also, it's starting to devolve into the men's game, too, as the players start to see more, get more publicity. I mean, there's, there's a lot more trash talking now, a lot more uh, physical play. They're starting to let the rules evolve into how they are in the men's game. You cut across the key and you get cross-body blocked and, they don't call anything and it's it's become much more physical game so hopefully they'll straighten some of that out because it's, it's going to wreck the beauty of the game if they don't i mean they have a player in the an obscure wnit game punch another girl in the face sucker punch in the face after the game as they're walking through the line slapping hands so it's it's getting kind of starting to the growth is starting to gosh i hate to see that that they need to get under control but that's got nothing to do with uconn they don't do any of that kind of not since they just played the you, game and, and shake hands. You know, when you talk about Gino and what he's done for the women's game, you know, this, this by far, the, the women's basketball is by far the biggest women's sport in college by a mile. There's nothing even close. I mean, softball, name one softball dynasty or gymnastics yeah. or lacrosse any other sport and the reason that this is so popular and that people follow it more than any other women's sport in college is because of the dynasty and i guess you got to give pat summit some some uh oh, um, props here too yeah but she the two the of way. them with their rivalry with tennessee I mean, that put college basketball for women on the map, and it's made it by far the biggest. I think it's the biggest sport. I think it's more popular than the WNBA. Oh, it is. WNBA struggles because it pales in comparison to the to the NBA. And, uh, you know, they have a, a, a number of, you know, the NBA subsidizes it, you know, the, these other 
schools, UConn's, UConn's women's basketball team has a bigger net than the football program. So what's that tell you? Really? You know, which is, which is ridiculous, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's popular. The, the, the UConn Tennessee rivalry was what made this. They won eight national championships. You know, they were, Pat Summit led the way through all this. She was the first one. And there were some other dynasties like Immaculata won two years in a row and SC won a couple of years in a row, you know, back in the, the early seventies in, in a, but nothing like where Pat Summit had a sustained excellence. And then Gino surpassed that through, through their, the UConn program. And it, it's uh the UConn, Tennessee, first time they played each other, 1995, the year UConn went undefeated, won the national championship. They played them in Gamble Pavilion. Uh, ESPN or ABC was looking for a game. Nobody wanted to come and play UConn there. And Pat Summers said, oh, we'll play them. We'll go up there. UConn ended up beating them, and it put the game on the map. And that one game is, is seminal in the, uh, the development of the game and the interest. The, the ratings for that game were off the charts and then every time you have high ratings for a a women's game at least uh 50 of the time uconn's involved in it because people want to see them lose or they want to see them win either way and tennessee yeah. still gets good ratings too yeah there's a you know with with unprecedented success comes unprecedented hatred and criticism and it's the american way jim is the American way. Fortunately, the War Devils, the team we played on, had only unprecedented success at the bar. That's the only place where we excelled. <laughs> and there were no great disappointments. <laughs> and there were no great disappointments either. We just had to stop playing. So, Greg, Big Daddy, Schmidt, what happened this year? Tell us about what happened. Okay. Uh, this year was, you know... I I've had a couple of days to uh, get off a suicide watch after the uh, <laughs> the game on Saturday, <laughs> but it, it's it's really started last year. It's been two years of unprecedented amount of injuries for you know UK, every team has injured. The ones with UConn, like Paige Beckers last year, not this year, but the previous season, she was out nineteen games because she ended up hyperextending her knee at the end of the Notre game Notre Dame game when they they beat Notre Dame by twenty, but she's in the game with two minutes left and just stepped awkwardly and was out for 19 games. But she managed to come back. AZ Fudd, their number one recruit last year, was out 11 games with a foot injury. But they still made it to the national championship game. Pretty darn impressive. 30 and 6. Yeah, you know, with all really. Those I mean, kind what, of injuries. A lot yeah. of people stepped up, you know, and because the UConn system is you either step up and do it or you're not going to play. So they're so fundamentally well-trained, they're able to continue to have success despite missing things. So I thought, wow, boy, I'm glad that season's over. That was torture not watching Paige Becker. She was a national player of the year, the year before as a freshman, first time that's ever happened. So she gets back, goes crazy in the, in the, in the NC2A tournament, you know, big games against North Carolina State and Stanford and just, you know, put the team on her back again. And then uh, South Carolina just out physical them and, and beat them you know fair and square beat them in the the um, national championship game so this year it starts out i'm going boy this is gonna be a great year Paige becker's gonna be back full speed ali az fudd's gonna be back full speed after you know having a lingering foot injury last year caroline charm had a little hip operation and she had a little bit of a concussion at the end of the year this is gonna be great they're all back 
August, Paige Beckers tears her ACL is out for the year in a pickup game. Then we start playing the season without her. They play a bunch of top 10 teams and they, and they do very well. They beat Texas, North Carolina State, Iowa. You know, and then in the Notre Dame game, AC Fudd bang knees with Aaliyah Edwards, the third third team All American uh, forward on the UConn team, and she's out for a number of games. Then Caroline Desharm gets another concussion; she's out for forty two days, and they actually had to cancel or reschedule one of their league games because they only had six players. You have to have seven scholarship players available to play a game in the Big East. So the, the, they played for basically, Jim, two months with five players. That's there's, insane. There's three, the three reserves they have on the team are a freshman from Portugal, guard, who's who, who's okay, but she's a freshman. She just got to UConn once Paige Beckers got hurt. She was going to play JC in, in Florida. Wait a second. She's and from had, Portugal? Yeah. So they have a, UConn has a, a lot of uh, – almost like South Florida has a lot of uh, – of, um, Foreign players, Dorka Juhas is from Hungary, Lou Lopez Senechal is from France and, and Mexico, Aliyah Edwards is from Canada, this Inesh Betancourt's from Portugal. You know, so they have they got a little international flair, but she wasn't really ready to play minutes. And the other two reserves they have is, is a freshman who the game's too big for her, and a, a junior who just hasn't developed, six five player, and they're just walking turnover machines. And they freeze up and they don't, they barely get rebounds. So Gino can't use them. So he's been playing everybody basically 40 minutes a game while they're shorthanded, yet they continue to win. Eventually, catches wow. up with them. They, they, they lose a couple of league games. Um, they were very tired. They were very beat up. But, you know, they, they were just hit up the wall and, and they were, the productivity was down. But they still continued to play, you know, Maryland and lost to them. They lost to Notre Dame and AC Fudd got hurt. They played Maryland with six players. And then they come back and they start to get a player back. And then they play Tennessee and they, and they beat Tennessee and Tennessee, which is pretty good. And they oh. lost to South Carolina by four points with seven players. So, you know, they're, they're really good players, but they just don't have enough players this year. And it, it just, you know, got worse and worse with Paige Becker's injury. They're one of their top recruits. Um, Ice Brady, she she and right before the fall, she just she tore or dislocated her kneecap and tore her patella tendon, so she's out for oh. the year. So they're they've got a number of season-ending injuries, and they have a number of in-season injuries to where they're kind of you know band-aiding together the whole year, rescheduling games, you know. So it caught up with them basically. They they won, the, but still, you know, we look at that, and then. They won the Big East Conference, which put five teams in the NCAA tournament. They won the Big East Tournament. They made it to the Sweet 16. So we're not talking about, you know, an ab abysmal failure. It's just with their standards, it wasn't their standard season because they just made it to the Sweet 16. But based on the amount of uh, minutes and games missed, um, I can only say, and most people don't want to hear this, but Gino Ariema and his staff, are ridiculously good coaches because yeah. those players still play at a high level when there are six of them, they're exhausted. They're playing, you know, 38, 40 minutes a game. But Gene Orium is also a, is a genius because at the end of the, of the regular season, their last game of the year, they, they beat Xavier who's who were 0 and 19 in the conference 
they only beat him by nine points. And Gino had had enough. And at the press conference, he announced to everybody that he's sick of his players. It's too late to be using. I'm tired as, a, as an excuse. Too late to be using. We got injuries as an excuse. Everybody's being selfish now. And they're not doing UConn basketball. They're saying, oh, this is just easier. because I'm kind of tired. I'll just do it this way. So the way the coach wants me to do it. He goes, I guarantee you, we won't make it out of the, we probably won't make it out of the uh, Big East tournament. Probably, we'll be lucky if we get to the second game. He goes, in, in the NC2A tournament? He goes, not much further than the first round. So, of course, being a master psychologist, they won their first two games in the Big East tournament by 40 and 30 points. And then they won the championship game. They were up by 25 in the third quarter. They ended up winning by 11 because they put the reserves in. And then the first two NC2A playoff games, there was some, you know, 19 point victory and a, uh, a 43 point victory. And then it felt all the wheels fell off at Ohio State. So you got to give the guy credit. He knows how to coach, he knows how to get the best out of whatever he's got. And he doesn't make any excuses. His, his favorite thing is, nobody feels sorry for us. We're Connecticut. Yeah, that's, that's really the way it goes. So let me ask you a couple questions here. Um, is Paige Becker, I mean, is she going to be able to come back next year, you think? Yeah, she is. Um, she told Gino when she first went there, A, I'm going to play at least four years. And you see players playing, you know, she'll have two more years of eligibility when she comes back. Oh. She has the COVID year. She actually has three more years when she comes back if she wanted to do it. She makes a lot of money on NIL agreements. She makes over half a million bucks off of that stuff a year. She's very popular. She's Whoa, wait, back. The, She's, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Um, so that's how popular UConn is that a player in the, you know, on their team is making a half million dollars in NIL money. She has agreements with Gatorade. You can see her on national commercials for that. Yeah. Crocs, Bose, a number of different other um, more of the media platforms that I don't, I'm not, I'm too old to know what they're even talking about, but it's you know, some big uh, media platform that sells a lot of high end shoes and stuff like that. So she's, and same with AZ Fudge, she has a number of, of deals. She has a, you know, a, a deal with, uh, with uh, Steph Curry in, in his conglomeration and all that kind of stuff. And that's, uh, you know, that's the, the new basketball that we all have to get used to. There's a transfer portal and there's NIL. So people are going to be flying around. You know, UConn got one player out of the transfer portal, two players actually, Dorka Juhas for two years and then Lou Lopez Seneschal from Fairfield University. And she was a, a gem. She averaged almost 16 points a game. She didn't play. She played in a not a power five conference. So, you know, Beckers will be back. She's, she's about uh, – what last I read, she's about um, close to about less than a month away from being able to play um, basketball with contact. You know, getting back. Wow. We're playing so, with the team. Same. Go ahead. Uh, well, so these people make more money in college than they do in the WNBA because the WNBA doesn't pay like that, do they? No, WNBA, the. Rookie salary is like $64,000. Granted, it's only for four months, but it's $64,000. The top salary there, is, I think, is something like two hundred dollars or $250,000 know, for the real established people. That's why they, they have to go over and play in Europe if they want to make some real money. And, oh, really? Uh, 
but but these NIL agreements, Jim, have changed the the face of college basketball because not just women's basketball, especially football. It's, it's crazy there. Oh yeah. But these girls can, you know, Caitlin Clark, the the girl from Iowa that is just tearing it up, is you know had a forty point triple double last night in the in the Elite Eight game. She said she's gonna she might possibly play more her COVID year, so she'll be there two more years because because she makes a lot of good money doing the NIL stuff. There's no hurry to go and take a pay cut and go to the WNBA. Wow, so, that's... you know, it's changed everything. And the transfer portal's changed everything because teams do complete remakes. Look, LSU is in the final four this year. Kim Mulkey's been there two years and she hit the transfer portal hard. And, and you can come up, you can lose a lot of players, but you can also come up with a lot. I, I don't see UConn. I'm kind of hoping they would make a couple of splashes on the transfer portal for this next season because they actually have a couple of players he needs to uh, revoke their scholarship <laughs> so they can have more room to have uh, other players. But um, with Paige Becker's coming back and, and Ice Brady, the only two seniors on the team this for next year were Darker Juhas and Lulo Pesinishaw. They're both graduates, so they, they don't have any eligibility left. They have basically the same team coming back, minus so two, those two, which are a big, void to fill but it's pretty easy to fill it with Paige Beckers and a healthy AZ FUD and they have a, a highly rated recruiting class coming in with a 6'4 center from Egypt and uh, a couple of Egypt. a wingman and a point guard I know it's it's international now and she actually wow. came over and has been with the team the entire second half of the um, this next second semester she came over early as a, you know, as graduate high school early, but she didn't play this year. She didn't want to use up a year of eligibility, but she's trying to indoctrinate herself into the UConn system. So they have a couple of really highly guarded guards, KK Arnold and um, Ashlyn Shade that are going to come next year. And, and we'll see what happens in the transfer portal, but they're far from dead. You know, they have a, uh, a really good uh, nucleus and, um, if they can stay healthy next year, <laughs> it would sure be a lot more enjoyable for me. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Well, for all UConn fans, I mean, how do you respond to idiots that say that the dynasty is dead? How do you respond to that? Craig? Those are just words, you know, you got to have something to write about. So I, I don't take that stuff too seriously. It's kind of, it's a little annoying, but, you know, you only, it's it, it, like, like I, I mentioned or cited to earlier, that's the American way. You build somebody up, everybody loves you. And then as soon as you get too successful, people want to pick you apart. They do it with movie stars. They do it with baseball players, you know, the New York Yankees. They do it with the Dallas Cowboys. They do it with the New England Patriots. Everybody hates the Patriots because they're so good for long. Everybody hates Bill Belichick because he was so good for so long. You know, Tom Brady, all that kind of stuff. American way is to build you up and tear you down. So people are going to say that stuff, but the proof's in the pudding. You know, let, let's see what, how can you say it's over until next year? It's an ignorant statement because you play two months with six players, five players, and you end up 31-6 and the dynasty's over. I mean, yeah, the dynasty, yeah, basketball's better. They're not going to win four time, four years in a row anymore. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to ever win 111 games in a row again. Nobody's going to win four national titles in a row, I don't think. South Carolina might win two in a row this year, but they still got you know and then two more years to go after that. So uh, those kind of statements are just people that just like to hear themselves talk, and 
they like to uh, have something controversial to say, and maybe they're wishing for it because I'm sure there's a lot of people that do wish it. But bottom line is they're still going to be there, and you know, pretty much as they say, I dare you to schedule them. Yeah, it's, you know, you, so so you're very optimistic about the prospects for next year. Yeah, I I, I God, I just want to make this year go be over, and it is. Um, I had a lot of fun watching this year, but it was also a lot of anguish because you hate to see people kind of take an interest group. You hate to see them not playing their best because they don't have everybody. That's kind of disheartening after a while. But with what they have coming back, they have a third-team All-American is their power forward. They have Paige Beckers, who is National Player of the Year, AZ Fudd, Caroline Ducharme. Nika Mule this year broke Sue Bird's assist record at uh, UConn and Paige filling in for Paige Becker. She's a guard from Croatia. She broke the assist record by over 60 assists. Whoa. She's, she's, but she said, okay, I will make sure everybody gets the ball this year on this team. And she's tougher than nails too, a real tough defensive guard. She's a big East defensive player two years in a row. They have a lot of good pieces to the puzzle here. Aubrey Griffin missed all of last year with, a, with back surgery. She played this year and, and played very, very well. She's very versatile. So as long as they, they can get some of their um, injured players back, being Paige Beckers and Ice Brady, and keep AZ Fudd and Caroline Descharmes on the court, you know, for not having absences of months with not being able to play due to different types of injuries, and if some of these freshmen are worth something, they're gonna they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be fine. They're always yeah. gonna be fine as long as, as long as Gino's there, they'll be fine. Yeah, um, be South Carolina though is setting the standard now. You have to give them credit. She is Don Staley has done a a great job. They they um, got a program there that's that's a machine. That's you know I'm I'm pretty impressed with with what they're doing. So you know it it'll be her turn for a while. Then they'll start picking her apart, and then you know eventually <laughs> we'll, it'll it'll be somebody else. But you know having lived through this with UConn for 25, 30 years, you're used to it. You know you don't really even listen to it because I just I read a lot about it. And I read a lot of Gino Randy quotes and his answer to all that kind of stuff is and he always intentionally has a very tough schedule each year he doesn't play cream puffs like you know you see some teams oh they, they go into conference they've got an 18 and one record they you know played a bunch of of really poor schools where you know they came out of the box this year and played texas like i said before north carolina state iowa recognize any of these names north dakota or i mean notre dame Maryland, Tennessee, South Carolina. That, that's basically your sweet 16 they played the entire year. So he doesn't back down from anybody. And his famous quote is, if you think you're so good, beat us. I love and, it. And most people won't, you know, they'll schedule him because it's a good test for everybody. And he's the one that, that said, I don't play cream puff schedules. I play hard schedules. So when it comes around to tournament time, We've seen it before. We're not just walking in with our chest puffed out with an inflated schedule. We, we play hard. If we don't play good, we don't win. And got to give the guys some credit. That's pretty tough to do. So um, South Carolina, how many of their, their stars, because they've dominated college basketball the last two years, how many of them are seniors? And how do they look after this year? Because do you think, first of all, I guess the question is, do you think that anybody can beat them in the Final Four? I, I don't see that happening in the Final Four. Yeah. Um, 
their biggest stars, or their biggest player, their best player is, is uh, Leah Boston. She'll be the number one pick in the WNBA draft. Six uh, three forward who averages sacrifices for the team and averages about 13 points and 11 rebounds. She doesn't have to score because they have other people that they score, and that's why Don Staley's a good coach. They have a really good team format, too, where they're unselfish and they share the ball. They got a couple seniors on the team, but, you know, it doesn't matter anymore with uh, as much with with graduation rates because of the transfer portal you could restock right. with with juniors and seniors overnight and you know it's it's harder to be a freshman trying to get onto a program anymore than it is to uh to to because tra- easier just to transfer when you as soon as a coach looks at you and doesn't like the way you part your hair you know kids transfer now and they they go off and want to play somewhere else for a better opportunity you know blah 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 90 percent of the time it doesn't work out for them but that's all right you know they they have the ability to do that. They're not uh, indentured servants anymore, so they can they can get out and do what they what they want to do. So we'll see if UConn hits the transfer portal, and we'll see what everybody else does too. Because last year it was wild. There's people going in all different directions, and um, LSU hit it hard, and they're in the Final Four. And you know, we'll see if Gino adapts, and he he's he's gone to it, but we'll see if he goes to it more. But he's always been more of a bring in as a freshman because you got to understand the system you just it's very rare that somebody like Lou Lopez Seneschal can come in in one year being a graduate student and average 16 points a game in the UConn system she's quite a player that was underappreciated in her you know four years at Fairfield because it's a smaller school but his system's not for everybody so that's you know he has to bring in girls women that can handle the discipline in the system and the preciseness and the you know, the quest to do it right all the time, not just when you feel like it. And he doesn't get everybody that's the great player. He gets a lot of really good players, though, that want to play like the Paige Beckers and AZ Fudd and all those people. But, you know, he doesn't recruit players that need entourages, and he won't recruit players that are that are um, too rough around the edges. He, he doesn't – they don't have time for that there. They, they want to play yeah. basketball. They want to have to – you know, they, they, they don't need, you need to be a good person to understand what he wants to do and have some, some fundamentals, both in your personal life and in your, your basketball life. And it's not for everybody. It's where my players do occasionally, you know, leave the team and transfer somewhere else because they don't like it. They're not going to get any playing time and, and they're not, uh, they're not happy because the coach doesn't tell them they're the greatest all the time. So yeah, it happens. It's that's kids these days, you know, I followed some of these girls that left the UConn program. They had about three years ago, a lot of players, freshmen, sophomore left. Cause that's when everybody was starting to, you know, transfer a lot more. And this whole mentality after COVID came about. And I, I look at those players and where they're at and where they went and none of them, they might've scored some points. And none of them went anywhere with the teams they transferred to, but I'm sure they had a whole lot more fun being a 16 and 13 team as opposed to a 30 and 16. But yeah, yeah really. that's, that's that's their choice. You know, they're playing in the NIT, the WNIT now. One girl that left in Connecticut, good for them. That you know, having fun. But uh, it's not for everybody. So that's that's no, probably why not. I like it so much. The UCLA <laughs> wasn't for everybody when John Wooden was there. You know, people criticized Dude. him. No, well, good players. So, Greg, Big Daddy Schmidt, I really appreciate you showing up uh, because I know it's hard because 
they, you know, even though they had a pretty good season considering the injury, they just didn't live up to expectations because expectations are so high. But you've been on the Who Gives a Shit file a few times, and you know that my guests get the last word in. So what would you like to say about Gino, the past season, the future? What would you like to say in summation about Lady Huskies UConn basketball? Well, probably the, the best way to sum it up is next year, he'll have page backers and you won't. So <laughs> some people are going to pay. And Gino's a, he's an Italian. He's from Italy. He has a sense of taking receipts on people. And they will just pray that they're all helpful they're all healthy and it'll be really fun to see what they how they come back with a uh i i i know they're going to come back and we're still talking 31 and 6 they're going to be even better next year because they're going to have more parts to play with than they did this year <laughs> well greg big daddy schmidt thank you for showing up on the who gives a shit files and we'll be looking forward to next year's podcast greg Appreciate it. Thank you for always giving me the chance to talk about what I like so much. And uh, thanks for everything. Go UConn. Yeah, go UConn. <laughs> thanks.